Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 25 minutes to 9 the time. Good morning. Do you believe what you see online? If you see a video of someone speaking, if you see a picture of someone, if you even hear someone speaking, do you believe what they are saying? If you see it online, in just the last few weeks, a series of videos, adverts, have appeared on YouTube. They show the image of of an SABC television presenter and then claim to show that that presenter is talking about an investment product related to Elon Musk. It is, of course, nonsense. The image of the SABC presenter has been stolen. It's not their voice. And this shows how far artificial intelligence has come and how these are what are called deep fakes that are being created. It means a computer program could take my voice and make my voice say literally anything to you. And if you know my voice, you won't know that in fact. It is not me saying this. The same is true for moving images, for videos online or even on television. So then how has this happened and how can you protect yourself from this kind of scam? You can imagine also the huge trauma it creates for someone who this happens to, like my colleagues on the SABC News Channel that this has happened to. Well, in a few moments, we should speak to one of my colleagues, Bongi Wezwane, is a presenter on SABC Television. Also this morning, Lavina Ramkasun is an advisor to the African Union in the development of emerging tech policies across the continent on issues like digital identities, data, the metaverse, and artificial intelligence. And Andy Mashayile is an ambassador for Interpol's global campaign on turning back crime. And of course, uh, talking specifically about issues around uh, things like identity theft and around what happens, for example, when people run online scams. Well, let's start then with Lilavina Ramkisson, the ambassador to the African Union. Lavina, good morning and thank you for your time this morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. When we see, for example, uh, fake videos, and these are videos, they look incredibly lifelike of my presenter colleagues. What can they do in a situation like that? I mean, is there anything they can actually do to protect their image and to protect their voice? Can any of us protect our image and voice? I think that's such a pertinent question. Um, Yes, um, but it's going to be a bit of a long haul. Um, So there's obviously call to action that needs to happen, uh, which is bringing together both regulations uh, as well as innovations that's actually happening to be on the same page. So, for example, there's elementary things that we could do to perhaps protect ourselves initially. Things like making sure your online trace is as minimal as possible. Make sure if you're sharing uh, information or logging on with, uh, for example, a Google account that you always log off, um, you know, don't keep yourself always connected to the internet. Uh, there's there's a few initial things that we could do, but there's a much larger urgency because of the emotional impact of things like deep fakes uh, that we need to consider. Uh, what I don't quite get is how it happens. And I realize that uh, computers have got to the point where they can take my face and my image and do things with it. That I understand. But this seems to be a completely unregulated space. I mean, someone could do that to me and I wouldn't even know where to start. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, we've actually had the head of the AU uh, be privy to, uh, you know, a deep fake himself. We've also seen the likes of larger figures um, as well as uh, normal citizens. Uh, So, yes, to your point, you never know when it actually happened uh, and hence the actual need and the call for, um, you know, uh, audit 
or visual into AIs that are being created. So what do we mean? Um, we could look at things like, um, you know, having watermarks imprinted. We can look at uh, rights um, and updating that uh, from a human perspective. We can look at how we actually are formulating regulation at this point from a safety perspective. We've obviously just uh, seen and heard from a UK perspective and a worldwide perspective, the call and the need for more responsible usage of AI. So for example, how can we actually, before AI is actually deployed as an algorithm, how can we audit it and how can we monitor that it is actually intended for the greater social good? Um, so, I mean, part of it is that I think clearly clearly, someone's making money from this, right? And this is what I, I, I find amazing, is that someone is doing this because they're making money for, from it. And to try and trace that person back through YouTube, through whatever, could probably be impossible. You know, I consider myself relatively empowered, and I would not be able to actually even start with a complaint against YouTube. And I'm sure people have complained, nothing happens. And they wouldn't even be able to tell you where the money for the adverts originally comes from, who's paying them. Yeah, and uh, hence, you know, um, you would have seen quite a large sort of call recently uh, or change uh, from the likes of big tech, where they're moving into an era of digital identity, where it is very much driven by, um, you know, understanding where the source of truth is. Um, and that is really, really important, getting to understand where data is actually being generated, formulated, you know, and uh, thereafter consumed is really uh, key. Um, one of the uh, sort of things um, or aftermaths of all of this is obviously misinformation and disinformation. And that is something that affects the media space uh, quite largely. And, you know, to your point, um, you know, it's absolute detriment. So I think, you know, from a perspective of someone making money. Sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't interrupt you. Sorry, you're saying from the perspective of someone making money? Yeah, for, uh, I mean, you know, someone making money, uh, we can literally uh, track that. Uh, that is something that uh, is doable to date. But uh, do we actually have the funds set aside to actually monitor that as an example? So uh, are we actually becoming a lot more um, cyber proactive or having a real time monitoring 24 seven around these things? And, uh, you know, as a foundation, it starts with digital identity. Okay, so, uh, well, let's talk a bit more about that then. Digital identities, you spoke about maybe watermarks and images. Is there scope for some kind of digital signature? Uh, the SABC could put on all, of its, um, uh, on all of its content, for example. So people would know it came from the SABC. Isn't claiming to be coming from the SABC and it's actually coming from somewhere, somewhere else? And I'm thinking ahead to next year's election. People could easily doctor all sorts of content, claim it comes from the public broadcaster, take the legitimacy and, and use that for their own ends. So is there any sort of technical fix that anyone is thinking of or could be in the works or could be used in the future? Yeah, I think some media houses have uh, started trying uh, to do something similar uh, where information has been verified. So, you know, something simple like uh, getting all the broadcasters um, to uh, agree. Maybe it's not as simple, but, you know, in an ideal world, um, 
for them to then agree that any content that is developed from a South African perspective or an African perspective has this particular type of watermark. And that is important. Absolutely. Um, I know that um, I, I think it is a US-based uh, sort of media house that is already trialing the concept of having AI verified uh, information. So not human generated information, but anything that gets created via uh, the likes of AI, either ChatGPT or any any others, um, is literally stamped as AI generated content. Um, so, you know, either or approach, uh, if we have a stamp that says it's 100% human verified, you know, uh, information versus an AI generated information, that's kind of where we're going. So from a signature perspective, Absolutely. I think there's a, uh, you know, that's one of the easiest and simplest ways uh, right now uh, to combat something like that. I mean, that would go for all sorts of things because people talk about artificial intelligence writing dramas or writing fiction. Um, some people might want to read that, but it would be important to know who actually did it, whether it was artificial intelligence or whether it was a person. You could use that idea of a human stamp for everything. Yeah, but then there's also the question, what difference does it actually make? Um, and I think that that is very dependent on the type of content that we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, level of importance. Ravina, Lavina, thank you. Lavina Ramkasun is advisor to the African Union and the development of emerging tech policies across the continent. As you can see, things like uh, artificial intelligence. You were there, CFM, 16 minutes to nine. The time continuing mediated conversation around these fake images and uh, audio of t- television presenters uh, involved in an investment scam and what we're seeing happen online. Andy Mashile is an ambassador for Interpol's global campaign of turning back crime. He's been specifically busy in the digital space in the digital space. Andy, good morning. Good morning, Stephen, to you and the heavyweight champion show listeners. Uh, it's actually it's actually the former Interpol ambassador uh, for the Turn Back Crime campaign. I am now a member of the executive committee uh, of uh, International Cyber Security and Investigations Committee. My mistake. Thank you very much indeed. These adverts that we used as an example are an investment scam. And I say they're a scam because the advert is a lie. So the product they're selling must be a scam. Are there lots of scams like this? Um, There are lots of scams like this. Preying on uh, social engineering um, uh, techniques that have been advanced and improved. And uh, recently using artificial intelligence to perfect uh, the online scams. On the 24th of this month, uh, it's going to be Black Friday. I am now talking to you from Rustenburg. I'm going to be giving a talk on Black Friday scams, particularly in South Africa, where people would be clicking on URLs that are fake. People would be directed uh, through bit.ly links uh, to malicious website where their details, personal identifiable information is going to be stolen. We see a huge number of romance scams. And I mean, the thing about these romance scams is some of them are run from prison, which is just amazing. Why are these scams, these online scams, people are doing them because they make money. So they're clearly successful. Super successful. Um, Stephen, cybercrime is a transnational organized crime. Um, It has no borders. It knows no borders. It knows no level of poverty uh, or affluence. 
these people organize themselves into experts and um, experts employing some of our uh, unemployed graduates who are experts in uh, IT, who are experts in psychology to help them um, get into the mind of a human being. Remember, Stephen, that you can have the most sophisticated hardware or software um, uh, uh, in the line of security or in your security chain. The weakest element in that security chain uh, is the human element. The human element that clicks, the human element that brings a, a USB and clicks and, 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 and inserts it onto the system of the company and, and therefore loading or offloading uh, your ransomware, your, your malware, generally speaking. So these people actually make a lot of money by having contact in the banks, in the police, uh, in various companies and many other areas where they have sizable influences or where there is a big number of people who uh, would not be in possession of this um, subject that we're talking about. Stephen, 72% uh, of the people of this country have uh, um, um, uh, penetrated the internet. 72% um, of 60 million is 43,200,000 people uh, doing rounds or surfing the internet. Now you can imagine how many of them are cyber smart. And this is where the cyber criminals at a transnational level operate. The romance scams that led to the arrest of the eight Nigerians down in Cape Town two or three years back has actually grown. And um, because you arrest a few players, they are just runners. Uh, they would organize that money and give it to uh, the people at the higher echelons of the cybercrime um, 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 uh, structures. Uh, do people who fall prey to this, when they realize it's a scam, you know, give me the money, my love, you give the money, you realize there's no love. Do people actually report it? I mean, are people embarrassed so they don't report it? Stephen, out of the 100% of the um, victims of cybercrime, we have seen a 37% increase uh, of uh, reported cases. Largely, uh, they don't get reported. And let's tell you why. It's because they, the, the, the scammers or the hackers know and use that social engineering technique called embarrassment. Uh, people don't want to be embarrassed. And um, people don't want to say, I have lost all of my saving and um, my life savings. That would be two, three, four, five, six million to a hacker who claimed that uh, uh, he loves me. Remember the Simon Leviev story, the guy who went to hire aeroplanes and actually preyed on uh, women who were widowed, women who had lost their husbands and have a lot of money. And they would see love. Uh, in the handsomeness of that gentleman and the fleshy lifestyle. So these people really do harm. And I would advise uh, the listeners of this show, you cannot love someone if you have not met that particular person physically and have profiled that particular person and know where is the money coming from that uh, he is spending lavishly flying all over the world. I think the Simon Leviev story, there's even a Netflix um, 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 story or a Netflix documentary speaking about Simon Leviev. So it is, it is, it is very important that those who are consuming the services of uh, the digital space, the internet, spend some time uh, looking at the URLs. If it says uh, it's from uh, SAFM, but 
the the email address mm. or the URLs uh, the URL says dot gmail uh, or dot uh, bit dot um, ly. It's not from SAFM. Andy Mashile, thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate it. A member of the International Cyber Security and Investigation Committee. In a moment, we'll speak to Stephen Osler from Enclose uh, just to find out a bit more about how to protect yourself from these kinds of scams. It's 10 minutes to 9. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Continuing your mediated conversation around the sheer number of scams and hacks we're seeing uh, at the moment. Uh, Stephen Osler is the founder of the company Enclose, which try and protect organizations and people from this kind of hacking. Stephen, good morning. Thank you for your time. Morning and morning to your listeners. We've seen how uh, artificial intelligence and criminals can literally take my voice, take my image and sort of hack my identity in that way and try and convince people to do certain things. I presume this is also the case for text and machine text. In other words, uh, people and companies will face attacks uh, via text, via computer code, in all sorts of mechanisms, and some of that will come from artificial intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. I think the challenge that we have is that these uh, hackers or fraudsters are trying to uh, gain additional elements of credibility, and they're using deep fake to create artificial voices, artificial videos, and artificial pictures just to get a slight more leverage in terms of the credibility when they're engaging with the, their, uh, their, their, the people that they're trying to compromise. And this is the challenge that we're seeing, not just for organizations, but also individuals who are, trying to, who are being compromised from fraud-based uh, um, uh, attacks, which is uh, you know, it's, it's a problem. Um, so if they can do deep fakes, they can deep fake text as well. I mean, I, I would don't even know whether I can trust, you know, WhatsApp messages, things like that. We're going to start seeing this in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, I think the reality is, is that, you know, we, we need to, as, as consumers, we need to acknowledge that if it's too good to be true, then it generally is. And, uh, and rather be inquisitive when somebody, when you receive something that just seems slightly out of the norm and, and have a validation mechanism. So either phone the individual who, who, who supposedly has sent you the message or, uh, or get some other confirmation mechanism in order to make sure that you can actually confirm that the transaction that is tr- being, be, that, that the hacker or the potential cyber attacker is trying to use is actually valid. So, you know, the, the, the problem is that these individuals, they, they prey on, on, on people's psychologies and prey on their psyche and try to, to use psychology to try and circumnavigate navigate their, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their defenses that they have normally. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, these deep fakes are all videos. I would presume, and so are the fake voices, but I presume it would be quite difficult to do it live. What I'm trying to get to is if I were to actually call the person or video call the person, then I would know that I can trust them, right? I mean, we haven't got to the point, please tell me, we haven't got to the point where artificial intelligence is able to sort of deep fake something live, if you see what I mean, the way they respond to my questions, my joke, whatever it is. Yes, absolutely. That's, that I don't think we're there yet. Um, whether the, the whether those kinds of interactions are going to happen in the near future, I, you know, I can't answer. But certainly for the moment, we you know we're just telling clients and, and consumers to validate using a phone call or um, and in order to 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 confirm the transaction because the deepfake technology is not at the stage where it's able to to reconstruct these uh, videos and and voices on, on the fly. 
there must be a huge amount of money in this. I mean, do we have any idea of the size of the sort of illicit economy, how much money people are stealing through all of these scams? And they're putting huge, I mean, I find this incredible. If they actually just work legitimately, they're putting so much um, intellectual capacity into it, they'll probably be rich if they, you know, entered your business. Instead, they're going the other way. But that's a conversation for another day. Is there any idea of how much money they're making? Uh, it's unfortunately, I, this, you know, I think a lot of the time the crimes aren't actually reported. And this is the challenge that we have, because when it's a consumer that gets defrauded, they're often very embarrassed about the fact that they've been defrauded. So they they won't go to the police. And and, and this is, you know, this is a, a, a problem because it, we, we don't have any idea in terms of what the actual size of that you know potential industry actually is. Um, but the reality is these are these are syndicates working 24, 7, 365. They work. They're very active in trying to, you know, defraud uh, consumers, and and uh, and they use whatever mechanisms that they can in order to to you know fulfil their ultimate goal, and that's to get some financial reward. Stephen Osler, I really appreciate the time at short notice. Thank you, the founder of the company Enclose, uh, just uh, explaining some of the ways that you can protect yourself, and of course uh, the live phone call. Call me old-fashioned, but I think maybe the live phone call is going to come back uh, into fashion in a little while, just because. It's actually the only way you can verify someone's identity. Stephen Oslep, thank you very much indeed. My thanks also to Andy Mashayile, from the, uh, someone who's been fighting uh, cybercrime, as you know. He's a member of the International Cybersecurity and Investigation Committee and a former ambassador for Interpol's global campaign to turn back crime. And Levino Ramkesson is an amb- advisor to the African Union in the development of emerging tech policies.